podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Everybody, welcome to Star Trek, the next conversation, the greatest show ever to talk about Star Trek for a long period of time. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. Oh, well, you treat him. Wait a second. Oh, no, I missed the top half of that. I've seen how well you treat him. Well, there you go. I guess that kind of makes sense. I didn't hear the end. I'm a bit rusty. So am I. I'm the new senior administrator of the Ferengi Benevolent Association. It's <laughs> like a very right. broad episode, whatever's going yeah. on there. It's a lot of fun. Uh, <clears throat> how's your ds 9 going, Andy? You know, it's uh, trucking along. I guess it's not trucking along. It's just docked. But uh, <laughs> it's going pretty good. Did you uh, feel for O'Brien in this episode? In terms of his his being overwhelmed, so much work. He's got to do so much work. He's got so much to do. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, I kind of. You don't see that interestingly that often. You see, you see Jordy be a little bit flustered here and there. Flustered mm. is wrong, but just like oh, I got to do this now, I got to do this. But you don't tend to. I imagine, particularly when you're talking about a crisis situation. Which they're in, obviously, a lot in all the shows. Mm-hmm. Like, it's got you got to constantly be, you know, what did they say? What did they? What does the eight ball do to you? Behind the eight ball? In front of the eight ball? Yeah. Are you behind? <laughs> you got to constantly if you, behind. Yeah. You can't. You can't hit the eight ball unless it's the last ball. So if you're behind the eight ball, you have no real clear shot. I never even did the pool math on it. <laughs> that makes a lot of <laughs> well, sense. There you go. I always just imagined the eight ball coming at you in some way. So I was like, oh, no. Get out of eight here, ball. eight ball. It's ah, the scariest one. Oh, no. It's going to tell my fortune, and it's going to be negative. Um, oh, I was just saying uh, you don't see people uh, freaking out that much with their all the things that they have to be doing on a, on a starship, particularly in crisis situations. You would think they would be losing their shit more often. Obviously, they're Starfleet personnel. So it's, it was it was kind of a relief to see O'Brien, who it makes sense he would be. I mean, we're going to get into it more deeply. Anyway, yeah. I enjoyed that. Could you imagine if this was Discovery and, like, somebody on Discovery had a child that suddenly contracted the virus? Um, could you imagine how long and overwrought that scene would be? I mean, it would be difficult because <laughs> if it was if it was laid out the same way then everybody would be in danger. And so, you know, they would have to do that a hundred times in the episode. There would be so many speeches and people saying goodbye to everybody. Every but emotional of course, you wouldn't understand them. You couldn't. Uh, let's just, get into the show. No, I don't want to. Matt. I'm, I'm done with Hales. 
Matt, it's yep. it's time yep. to do the hails. We don't need to talk about Star Trek. We got to go to the Admirals Club first. Here we go. Welcome to the Admirals Club. We got to go back out in the corridor. You missed something. What did I miss? We didn't talk about whether we'd, you'd watch this episode. Oh, I thought we didn't do that for Deep Space Nine for some reason. No, we don't do that for Discovery because it's serialized. Mm. All right. Because well, every episode is exactly the same. You've never. All right. Andy, would you have them no. watch this episode? Well, I'll answer it anyway. I mean, yes, I would. I'm enjoying Deep Space Nine. There you go. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Mm, it's not bad. A really unexpected turn here at the beginning of DS9. Go to leave a review and join the Admirals Club. This is, it's really, uh, this show really is Deep Space Nine right at the beginning. It, and, and we have no O'Brien, sadly. <laughs> it's just Can a lot of, uh, it's just chaos stuff. No, that one was right. Um, Matt, how do they get into this place? Uh, it said it in the song, Andy. Just oh, really? Go leave a five-star review. I've never listened to it once. Yeah. Leave a five-star review at Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. You can write whatever you want in the review. If you don't like the show, that's fine. As long as you leave us five stars, you'll be in the Admirals Club. Andy might read it on the show. Who's he reading today? Fresh out of college. Uh, it's uh, titled excited to finally be able to leave my review i first subscribed when matt mentioned he was starting a podcast on nerdist five years ago but couldn't leave a full and accurate review until him and andy finished tng starting with a long quote long one hour and 52 minute first episode that's an interesting thing mm. to look back on it was it was hour 52 right in the first episode uh, up to their 4.5 hour live stream in the last episode. With that being said, would I listen to this podcast? Sure. Why not? Trumpet fair, fanfare. <laughs> oh, let's see who's doing the thing. <laughs> Ta da! Um, they. Uh, honestly, I am just glad I can now walk through the Admirals Club to get to the President's Circle instead of walking through all the many, many doors or climbing through the Jeffries tubes to get here. Uh, here's to five plus more years. Jeffrey's hologram. Oh, he's one of our Patreon presidents. Subscribers, not presidents. Took him that long to leave a review. Wow. You know what? People do it at their own pace. I respect that. Well, thank you for that review. Um, I I missed the brief two part episode that was an hour and 51 minutes. Because Encounter at Farpoint is twice as long as a regular episode. So the fact that we got that done in an hour 51. That's a really good point. Oh, I know why. There were no hails. Oh, wow. No hails, and it was still an hour 52, but I guess it was a a two-parter. Have you ever gone back and listened to it? No. (laughs) I don't think I've ever gone back and listened to anything. I mean, you got it. You got it pretty much from the audio, guys. But the the look of disgust on his face, the look of disdain, and just like incredulity. I mean, I, I lived it. I don't need to listen to it. Does an explorer go back and look at photos of himself on the trail? No. Um. 
CC Bateman. Explorers, don't go back and look at trail photos. Says, uh, I am the other fat pal. Um, uh, which Matt had deigned himself at some point. I am the other half. This is what CC Bateman says. I'm the other half of the friendship that calls it each other uh, fat pal because of this podcast. We also rate movies and shows using Andy's. Needless to say, I love this podcast and just never thought of getting into the Admirals Club until my buddy left his review, and now I feel left out. Five stars. Christopher, the other fat pal, Bateman. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to the club. Enjoy the shrimp. Um, are there shrimp in the Admirals Club? I feel like they're just in the President's Circle. <laughs> No, there's a shrimp or did you here. did you set some up? Oh, there! Oh, that's nice. Yeah. The seafood tower over there. Oh wow, seafood tower! Jeez, it's it's the day old. It's <laughs> some day old bread there too. It's whatever the president circle doesn't finish the previous day goes to the admirals. It's extra insulting in the future because they could easily just convert it back to energy and then re-replicate it. Nope. As, uh, as fresh shrimp. foods. <laughs> um, that's it for the uh, Admirals Club. That's it, you say? It is, Matt. Okay, let's go to the President's Circle then, shall we? Yes. Welcome to the President's Circle Lounge, everybody. It's an illustrious place that is only able to be entered by those who subscribe to us on Patreon. That's right. You want more episodes of the show? They're all back there. Enterprise, Voyager, Discovery, Strange New Worlds, Picard Season 2. All the Marvel movies up until Black Widow. There's There's so much content sitting there. Why not become a member of the President's Circle and get yourself another thousand hours of bullshit? Anyway, uh, you get priority one access to the hail bag, and sometimes Andy picks out a hail that he really seems to think gave it the beans, as they say. Uh, And you get a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor, which is a fake medal that we don't award physically, just verbally. Who's getting it this week? Side note, I think uh, if we ever have merch, which we probably won't, let's be honest, uh, then uh, we should definitely have a, a, a thousand of our hours of bullshit t-shirt. <laughs> um, or the exact you know amount that we're up to at that point. Um, Lieutenant C. Edwards uh, writes us, or hails us, uh, as a young black teen watching DS9, I really appreciated the relationship between Ben and Jake. The feels all came back to me twice as hard when I rewatched in 2020 during quarantine. In an interview, Brooks claimed that his number one responsibility in playing Cisco was portraying him as a good father, and Lofton said that Brooks was a mentor that treated him as an actual son in real life, and I think it really shows on screen. Um, I just thought this was that's a very, this was a really very nice. Sweet. Um, and Tell you what, comedic- Cisco. I'd rather be have Cisco as my dad than Picard. Definitely. I mean, he seems much more competent. Yeah. To, I mean, uh, he might interact you know, with children. Picard eventually got there. A little overly dramatic, but. 
better than fucking Picard. Man, what an emotional. I have to. What an emotionally stunted, broken human being they've made. <laughs> it's true. Even pri- pre Borg, I guess that's true. They've in 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 uh, Picard uh, in Star Trek Picard. They've even sort of gone back and retconned even more stuff. Although yeah. I guess in retrospect, I guess it makes sense that he would have. Uh, he was a little bit muted and odd right at the beginning. In, you yeah, know, intolerant. We all know his best friend in the world was Data, <laughs> who on a number of occasions he threatened to have. <laughs> Disassembled by Starfleet Command. <laughs> Great to have. Uh... <laughs> I mean, only the once, but still. Yeah. Um, Eric Peebles. Uh, I'm also giving a, 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 a an, an award, a medal of valor. Um, incidentally, recently I said uh, medal of valors, and uh, I was saying that intentionally. A lot of people <laughs> commented on it like I didn't know. I was intentionally stirring up shit. Um, uh, anyway, Eric Peoples writes, does that new clone Bashir grew out, grew, get all of Ibadan's stuff? <laughs> Assuming he's going to prison, do they hand the clone his keys and wallet and send him on his way? <laughs> I think that would be. And here are also your old man disguises and robes. Have a good time. If they were handling this a la Marvel and Star Wars, I would love to see that that clone's side life in an episode. Oh, you mean of... they run out of mainline content and have to develop side stories? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mind following that. <laughs> We've destroyed the main continuity. We better just go backwards and tell stories before we broke it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we're in the priority one messages proper. Which I guess, in a way, is kind of what Strange New Worlds did. Hmm. Yeah, I guess they did. Wow. Hey, everybody, stop breaking stuff we loved. Then you don't have to go backwards. They did it with Strange New Worlds, though. They succeeded. Yeah, but they went backwards. That is true. Thank you for agreeing with my truths. Captain, Captain, we are being hailed. Uh, by the Who's way, hailing us. All right. All oh, right. we left. This is priority one. We left the. Oh God, we got to go back in. Hang on. My bad, everybody. Why did you follow me out here? You knew this wasn't what we were doing. I just wanted to move along the show. <laughs> that was four doors we went through. The United Federation of Planets President Circle. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Hello. It's really sounding like the episode of Deep Space Nine. Um, Kevin Quinn hails us. This is my first time through DS9. Oh, great, Kevin. Um, I have no idea what's to come, but I can't help but feel like the show is going to uh, deep... This show is going to, quote, deep down... Odo and Quark actually love each other, unquote, way, way too early. We're three episodes in. This seems like something that should have been, should be built up over the course of multiple seasons. I get that they have years of prior history. We didn't see it, but still. Uh, and I thought this was an interesting hail. 
because I think that's my feeling too. That it's almost oh, like also, you wanted a will they you want a will they won't they with Odo and Quark. I don't I don't know that I concur with the opinion of like hey they're doing this too early this should be they should be slower I think I just noted that it's like oh it's interesting that they're like establishing right off right out of the gate this this kind of you know antagonistic friendship as opposed but to them like, sort of ha- being having antagonism turn into a friendship. I kind of like it this way, though, in the sense of, like, that's an interesting angle. I don't need to watch the preamble. Uh Uh-huh. And do you feel like there are... These are always difficult questions I ask Matt because I'm asking him to not spoil but answer my questions. uh, Do you feel like there there are uh, interesting colors that they play in this relationship... Yeah, beyond that level that they set up, which would be the concluding uh, uh, color usually in that kind of relationship. Um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think so. It's I like Casablanca ends with this. This begins with this, right? I mean, why not? Why not? Why not pick up where Quebec Casablanca left off? And you feel like they do do it, and then they're like, "Oh, that's interesting." Now they're going here with it. This is Casablanca too, in space. Casablanca <laughs> 2 in space. I'm on board. Uh, Get my agent on the phone. <laughs> they already made it. It's DS9. Hang on. Uh, <laughs> unless you want to do Casablanca <laughs> in space 3, I guess everybody. you could do that. Humphrey Bogart's in it. Humphrey Bogart's in it. We're deep faking him. <laughs> it's going to be great. Oh, you're, going, you're returning back to the original, removing the uh, the new characters. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna have someone go in with a computer, and out every window and the exterior is Starfield. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, it's in space now. Somebody make it up. It'll be on the Instagram in 2033. Uh, yeah, take, take, uh, take instead of the plane behind them on the tarmac, put a runabout there. Oh, sweet. <laughs> and then, and then a Starfield. Thank you. Put a Dabo. Who's doing uh, that? Set in there. Someone quickly do that. <laughs> Put Morin sitting there. Um, David Sidhu uh, writes: Curzon looked a hundred years old when he passed. How were him and Cisco chasing women together? This is sort of an interesting question. Although I guess I we mean, don't. You never. Do. You've never known the archetype of. Uh, old man chasing dames. <laughs> I guess that's also fair. Although then that also colors uh, Cisco's sort of take. Unless also, Cisco we, is like, we don't, we don't know that Trill hosts' bodies don't age rapidly when they're about to die. Mm, that's an interesting headcanon. Maybe like a week before they die, they suddenly look. Uh, 50 years older yeah it's an interesting question we've never have we ever seen in canon which actually gives the trill a biological warning sign that they're gonna need to find a new host right see so they age much faster at the end did the one that uh i don't, I don't know if you remember did the one that Riker was holding Right, Riker was holding him. Uh, Riker was a was the trill host. Yeah, 
did did he get it from a trill host that was older? Or was no, it, it was the young just guy someone who was sick? Was in love with? I don't think he was sick. I think it was a, like a, he died in an accident. He died in an accident. If I remember gotcha. correctly, which I don't. Remember. Yeah. So have we ever seen an old trill? The question. Just live with my headcanon, everybody. Calm down. And then, and then when we watch an episode of DS9 that contradicts it, we'll change our headcanon. Don't worry. We're not going to remember this headcanon. There's no chance in hell. <laughs> Garrick and Bashir. Um, this is a hail from Thomas Gill, who uh, says, I have only seen it referenced a few times. Usually, usually relating to the uh, gay episode "Blood and Fire" for TNG, but supposedly the true reason we never we never got any representation in the '90s Trek was not Rick Berman, nor Paramount, nor uh, even the Southern affiliates. It was Roddenberry's lawyer. Roddenberry's lawyer was in charge of I uh, of I believe it was Franklin Enterprises, the company that later became Roddenberry Productions, and he tried to sue Paramount and the producers over blood and fire and any sort of representation, claiming it was going to be against Roddenberry's vision for the series. This was often after Roddenberry had died and Majel didn't have any problems with it. Uh, Paramount chose at this point to make a directive that they would not put representation into Star Trek series overly to save lawyers' fees. Jesus Christ. People make Rick Berman out to be the bad guy because he was the one who had to force their directive. So this is it. We've been hearing a lot of theories about the Garrick and Bashir thing and why it was, I mean, maybe it is made overt. I don't know. I can't see the future, but it seems like people are saying, generally speaking, or implying that it was subtextual. Um, but uh, But this is yet another thing that it was... Now is the Roddenberry lawyer the 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 kooky one from um, Chaos on the Bridge, or was that Berman's lawyer? That was Roddenberry. Uh, in right? Chaos on the Royal, it was yeah, it was Roddenberry's lawyer. Well, it certainly would fit his, <laughs> his bizarre persona that he's like. No, MO. I'm gonna stop yeah. this. <laughs> um, if that is true, that someone from the outside that wasn't Roddenberry actually. <laughs> made a reverse progressive move that is just bonkers um so is yet another of, another theory of foot fun of lawyers you're fond so of lawyers the, no i said that's the fun of lawyers that's the fun of lawyers <laughs> lieutenant tess uh says uh this is uh this is a long rant a lot of a lot of people wrote in about this uh a quote from keiko uh, you know, I've never actually been a teacher commander, but it's something I've always thought about doing. Uh, and then Tess says, try substituting any other profession that requires advanced training for the word teacher in that quote. Yikes. I've been a teacher in the public system in British Columbia for 26 years. To become a teacher here, one must have an undergraduate degree. I majored in English and minored in early childhood education and a year of a university. I don't want to hear about how Canada's requirements are better than the United States. I don't need it. <laughs> well, tough luck. You're going to listen to it. Uh, and a year of university professional education programming invol- program involving full-time coursework and in-class practicums. 
The admissions to these programs are competitive. Many teachers also pursue graduate degrees. It's great professional development and also uh, guarantees a slight pay increase. I have my MAED in curriculum development and instruction. Teachers are required to regularly participate in professional development to keep up with the new curriculum, new tech, best practices. But hey, Keiko is a woman and she has a kid, so she probably has incredible pedagogical Gog- oh, pedagogical skills naturally, right? Uh, the portrayal of classroom teachers in Trek has always been pretty lame. The original question made me ponder just what are the educational uh, requirements for kids of Starfleet officers posted off Earth? The education makes it sound like Jake is doing some sort of independent self-directed study. Is that being administered, monitored by anyone? Is there a distance teacher who checks in and connects with Federation kids on space stations? What happens to kids who struggle to learn this way? As witnessed during the pandemic, not all children are successful at independent, self-directed, or distance learning. Also, what was Keiko doing when she was on Enterprise? Surely she wasn't just watering and pruning trees in the Arboretum. Wasn't she doing important scientific work as a botanist? Why would her work as a professional scientist no longer be needed and valued? There's a planet right there. Or does Bejor already have too many botanists? I imagine the war damaged or destroyed at least some of the planet's vegetation. O'Brien also brought up all the, the new stuff coming from the wormhole. Anyway, in my opinion, this plot is disrespectful to professional teachers and also professional botanists. <laughs> These are all valid points, Tess. I mean, I agree with most of what you just said. Except for your natural hatred of... Uh, except for my natural hatred of teachers getting paid a living wage. Get over yourselves. What are you? Building the future? <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting how the persona You'll get underpaid reversed. and you'll like it. <laughs> your work is valueless to society. <laughs> That's had a lot of lobbies. Is it going along with this pro-Cardassian lobby? <laughs> Look, Cardassia, um, if you couldn't teach, you couldn't live. You know, so everybody in Cardassia was a teacher. Um, Lieutenant John Mostly Zhu. Mostly taught hate and distrust, but, uh, you know, it was pretty cool. Um, and was that was was that just uh, part of a Cardassian uh, sort of, you know, ethics? Or was that... Uh, yeah, it was just something we did, you know, during the Bajoran occupation. We got flyers about it, and uh, we all were on board. It's just an activity. Yeah, it also saved a huge amount of money in our budgets, you know? Mm-hmm. We're like, why are we paying teachers when everyone can teach? <laughs> Lieutenant John Zhu says, between Bashir's... Everyone gather around while I explain the mystery and Odo pulling the mask off the perpetrator. I've always remembered this as the Scooby-Doo episode. Um, I certainly agree. I feel like I said you meddling kids at some point. You did. But I could be wrong. Uh, Very Scooby-Doo. But satisfying to me. Dan Man Mountain. I think that's Mountain. Uh, It's MTN. If Andy ever does a podcast about improv, it should be called Yes, Andy. Uh, that's valid, Dan. <laughs> I will. That's I will a good never, I mean, that's. A, I know you probably don't want to do a podcast about improv. Never ever do a podcast about. I will. I'll appear on other people's improv podcasts, but I'm never. But going to that's a really great name. It's it's true. It got a lot of likes, and that's the only reason. I think I you. I think you. You got to. You when you write it out, you got to parenthetically put the Y. 
the Y is you have and and then in parentheses yeah, the parad- Y. Parenthetical Y, yeah. yeah. Um you could also Whatever, just do fine. yes. You won't do it? I'll just go to Andy Daly for my podcast needs. You're out of here, you, Secunda. You could do yes and an ampersand and then a Y. Nope. Too clever. <laughs> Not a fan. All right. Well, so we'll have to have competing podcasts. Too clever. That's Dick all. War- That's all. Dick Warlock Esquire says, uh, I honestly don't think the show is intending to portray Bashir as lovable. Maybe I'm crazy, uh, but I think the show is aware that he's being skeezy. And then Kevin, there's a lot of people who, who popped off about this, as you might imagine. Kevin Quan uh, added, I agree that the show knows that Bashir is a complete shitheel. Uh, I mean, his first scene is Kira giving him shit for being a condescending prick for holding himself above the, quote, natives. I get the sense that they tolerate him because he's a talented doctor and they're badly in need of one out there, and they all seem to have already learned how to deal with his issues. Besides, I couldn't help uh, but feel like the scene of Garrick hitting on him right at the start of the second episode was the show's way of saying... We're going to make it clear that we know Bashir's a creep by giving him back some of his own medicine. No pun intended. Then Marjor says, if you think Bashir is creepy, keep in mind that Alexander Siddig's uncle is Malcolm McDowell, which should have been uh, cool as early uh, as early DS9 is not all too long before they started production on Generations. Although Generations is probably the least creepy I've seen Malcolm McDowell on the screen. So even though Bashir is more casual creepy, he sure has some creepy to draw from. Then David Sidhu says... Ah, he wasn't that creepy in Tomorrow Never Dies. He was brilliant. McDowell. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That was Jonathan Price. David, I, I don't know why I said McDowell. I was going to say, I, like, I don't remember him in it. He would have been great as a Bond he villain. Really, he really would have been great in that movie. But I was like, I don't know. I'm not going to put myself out there and say to the Bonding guy, like, was that him? Wasn't well, you could have very easily. And then I would have been like, no, oh, it's man. not him, but it should have been him. That would have been a real, the real uh, haha secunda moment if I had had, had faith in like, myself. This is what I've been beaten to, to in this. Anymore. What is what's <laughs> happening? Been, what Where am I? Down to. <laughs> um, uh, David Sidhu then says, uh, uh, oh, wait, here we go. Uh, Anon says, uh, the takes on Bashir are interesting. Watching as a young woman, I found his early horny on main behavior uh, really be really gross because I hated the attention from guys my age who acted that way. But watching as an older and wiser adult woman, I've actually found it very funny. He does mellow as he gets older, and his character growth is wonderful, but I have a soft spot for the try-hard, super annoying, learned-everything-he-knows-about-women-from-James-Bond show-off that Bashir is in the early seasons. I do wonder if some of the discomfort with Bashir's early season behavior from male viewers is kind of a secondhand embarrassment for their former selves. Just a thought. Uh, I thought that was sort of an interesting last thought. And then Tess. No, I think finally, Bashir is really cool and doing everything everybody should be doing. <laughs> and then Tess. What are you going to do? You going to go to space and not fuck? Come on! <laughs> Hey, this guy is just trying to get out there. 
Tess says, I still find it gross. <laughs> this is a crazy turn for uh, for Matt's persona. Uh, I still find it gross. <laughs> Tess says, I still find it gross. I also find myself sighing at how the Trek writers could somehow envision a more enlightened future for humanity in so many ways they could not envision, yet they could not envision a future where women didn't face regular harassment. So yeah, you're, you're saying you're going to go into space and you're not going to fuck? Come on. <laughs> That's a place to do it, bro. <laughs> You ain't fucked um, till you fucked space. <laughs> I will say this. I don't think... Um, it was not my take that... I, I've, I've, let me clarify this. I, I think they were not intending to be commenting on him by setting him up as a relative creep in these episodes. I don't think that they were advanced enough or had shown enough progressiveness at that point. I think that I they were doing kind of like I think they were trying to set him up as a little bit of a goofball and a pest, but I don't think that they were trying to make a comment on his his being creepy, um, no. which obviously is the way it plays today. Although I mean, he's I, this. I feel like this is just Bashir's early personality because he's kind of creepy towards the uh, virus too. He's like, it's brilliant. He wants to fuck the virus. Is what I'm saying. Oh, that's an interesting point. Like the the Kira moment, it is commenting on his blindness also. But I guess Mm -hmm. I see the 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 element of his of his hitting on Dax is like separate, um, based on the patterns in this era of Trek. Dax is down to clown, you know. Well, that was the other thing that, as a new viewer to... And by Dax, I mean Curzon Dax. Oh, interesting. The symbiote. Yeah. Right. Well, that was an interesting sort of element, is thus far, they're presenting Dax as kind of bemused by, uh, or amused by, uh, by his antics. And I can't tell if she's acting that way and kind of smiling it off because it's like all right well i work with this guy so i'm not making a make a big deal it seems like that's not how they're presenting her it seems like they're presenting her as being like uh like maybe there's something else going on she also says that thing about well i don't you know i gotta talk to you about how what it's like to have this kind of interaction with a trill and I'm like, ooh, maybe there's some kind of odd, omnisexual, strange, you know, strange. I'm going to remove that Look, from that sentence. All the trill, all the trill are saying, yeah. they're literally all they're ever saying to anyone out there is, you're not going to go I space and not fuck. <laughs> they are saying that. Okay. You gotta well, go, there you go. You that's, gotta go fuck. See, that's new information to me. It don't matter what you fuck, just fuck. This is my... Uh, this is a, you know it's like a whole new universe that I'm I'm becoming familiar with so I just have to learn the the canon of Trill's love to fuck. Um uh, let's see. I like this new character that I'm being <laughs> but it's exhausting. <laughs> uh Okay, I think we're in the hails proper now. Mm, well, we better leave here. <laughs> And that was the advert.
Yeah, but you didn't think Atlas we went this Club. way, did you? <laughs> well, it's a different layout on DS9, so. Uh, <laughs> Captain, we are being hailed. Thank you. Tobias Hughes Brown uh, writes, Hey, Matt and Andy, as a teacher, this episode really made me mad. <laughs> Keiko, I've got no experience being a teach, but I'd like to give it a go. Sub this with any other jobs. You haven't saying it is. This is sort of the same thing Tess was saying. I've got no medical experience, but I'd like to give this surgery thing a try. I've got no engineering experience. Let me give like you, let me give you some jobs here. where it's not. Let me give you some jobs where that sentence isn't weird. Ready? Podcast. Yeah. Writer. Both Both sentences. You wouldn't look at anybody weird if they said that. No, but if you saw... Exactly. So stop diminishing our work and get over <laughs> yourselves, Teachers of America. I'm so tired of it. So you're arguing that people would demean us and therefore they should demean teachers. Too, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, and by the way, you and I are evidence of the fact that uh, any anything we watch that we're like, hey, professional writers, you suck. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that, uh, <laughs> that we have any generosity either. Um, well, all I'm saying. Yeah. Is teachers calm down? All right, maybe Keiko is gonna be the worst teacher in the world, and that's how the story goes. I mean, the thing that I took from the uh, from that is that it's just more of a frontier town thing, and so it's just well, like, ah, eh, there's yeah. nobody here. Let Keiko do it. Although I think all of Tess's points are also valid. <laughs> um. Which is well, shouldn't she have other things to do? Uh, it is also a how good do you know interesting that, how question. How do you know that she wasn't a botanist professor at at, at at Starfleet Academy? How do we know that? How would that change the this equation? Oh, you're she saying that's what she's teaching them? Oh, that's all. No, that's true. I'm just I saying. You know, she. No, have, we know she, she wasn't have, because she was saying. I think she said I was always interested in teaching. Hmm. Yeah, that is fair. That's exactly what she said. Hmm. Okay. Um, the uh, I, I'm interested what the uh, what the look. You, the, you think you're gonna go into space and not teach? <laughs> I mean, not really. That statement could be applied to anything. <laughs> T. Rick Jones says. Also, uh, yes. Wait, I don't know if I cut something here, but uh. Also, yes, they did. They did the crazy people can see AI, and the psychic is aware of AI episodes. Oh, I see on Quantum Leap. Um, also, so. children and animals, and an angel, and a random rich dude whose neurons were similar to Sam's. <laughs> there you go. Oh, Quantum Leap. I think it's an also on this hill because it was something that doubled up with an earlier point. And that is from T. Rick Jones, managing editor, Daily Star Trek News. So feel free to check that out. Um, regarding uh, Andy Secunda School's specific acting intercompany memo, general comments for next DS9 episode. Uh, this is from, uh, hello, sir. This is Greg. The results are in. You are Mott the Barber. Uh, even though TNG has moved on, I would like to offer an officially licensed game of Clue uh, for just TNC fans based on all of the chatter of the last seven seasons. 
He went to a lot of trouble on this, so I thought, I thought I should do it. So this is for Clue. Uh, there's the who did it, the where. Okay, and all right. With well, what first, means. I would start me with the weapons, Andy. Okay, hit, well, hit me there. I think he set it up comedically, so the weapons should be last. Yeah, I see. Okay. Well, then hit me up with however ordered he ordered it. Who did it? Crusher. Where? Medical. With what means? An autopsy. Uh, who did it? Data. <laughs> Where on the bridge? Uh, with the help of the ship's computer. Uh, Worf, his quarters, an exposed candle flame. <laughs> uh, Picard, Jeffrey's tube, loose-fitting makeshift rope with the climbing song in the background. <laughs> so he took the fiber optic cable out of the turbo lift, and instead of helping children climb out of the shaft, he's uh, hanging people. <laughs> Apparently. Guinan, That's rough, you know, because of the way Picard's mom went out, you know? It's true. That's you know maybe that's the, the, he's he's killing out of the trauma. Oh, I like it. Guinan, uh, ten forward, poison Romulan air, L Jordy engineering, the warp core blast door, and Riker holodeck oversized sex toy. Uh, I mean, hang on. Oh. In fairness, he wouldn't be using oversized. He would just have a person. Eh, first of all, <laughs> eh, oversized to who? You know? You don't know. <laughs> a lot of questions are raised by this last joke. Uh, as per TNG standards, Troy is not in the game because she technically could sense who did it every time, so we didn't write her in. Fair. Well, I mean, but the plot would make it more interesting if she didn't. So she'd have to, we could have her in, but she'd have to tell us why she wasn't able to sense anything. Yeah. Um. Uh, okay. Let's see. Then we have a prime corrective. We sure do, Andy. <laughs> Time for a retrospective. Cause truth is all objective. It's a prime corrective. Cause Matt and Andy got it wrong. Did we ever? So, um... Hi, Andy. Jake Sisko was 14, not 12, as Matt had guessed, so he did look old for a 12-year-old. He was born 2355 and went aboard the parking lot in 2369. Um, and then he added, fun fact, I just moved and found my Star Trek encyclopedia that had been in my closet. It happened to be out while we were waiting for our bookcase to come in uh, while I was listening to the pod. So instead of Googling uh, the answer, oh, I have course went to the encyclopedia brushed the dust off opened it up googled to, how cisco is spelled and then found jake's description <laughs> picture i i used to um i used to read that all the time that first edition i have the yeah. updated one the two volume one which is yeah. uh, also great um but i can't even imagine what it would be like now i think they'd need a third volume at this point because that two volume one came out before Disco right before discovery or maybe after discovery? Yeah. Anyway. Um Let's see. That's it. Uh if you'd like to send a, a hail to us, it's sttncpod at gmail.com. Please include the title of the episode in the subject heading. Uh if you want to tweet Matt, he's at Matt Myra. He's also that's also his Instagram. If you wanna tweet me, I'm at Secunda. My Instagram is at Andrew Secunda. Um, and 
If you want to send us a voice hail, please do. 816 Trek TNC. But of course, that number again is. 816 Trek TNC. Nightmarish. <laughs> You gonna go to space and not sing off key? <laughs> Come on! <sighs> All right, everybody. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. So plug TNC in your little Borg node. Let's talk about this week's episode. We're talking about this week's episode, which is Babel. Uh, which aired 29th of January, 1993. Andy, what was happening? I'll tell you, Matt. Uh, the number one... Uh, let's do alternative song, because it's been provided for us. Mm-hmm. The Devil You Know by Jesus Jones. Nice. Uh, can I find that yes i can here it is coming up do you have any associations with the song matt it always it always sounded to me like it was rejected from a pile of u2 songs that sounds right. Number one song in the U.S. and the U.K. remained I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. That's probably going to be with us for a few more weeks. Uh, number one movie, Aladdin. Number one TV show that week, The Super Bowl. Births that week, actor Cameron Bright from the Twilight movies. Deaths that week, Andre the Giant and Thurgood, Thurgood Marshall. Events, Sears announces it is closing its catalog sales department. The Cowboys beat the Bills in Super Bowl Twenty Seven, the first one to feature a Pepsi halftime show by Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Scent of a Woman, Northern Exposure, and Roseanne win at the Golden Globes, as does every as does last year's Frank Sinatra TV movie. Um, Time Magazine cover: Bill Clinton takes charge. Cool. Oh, well, sorry. Then we're doing Elsewhere and Track. Which um, we don't really have a song for. We actually, we actually have one in the today's sounds, but I didn't want to slow it down. But since you're ref- referring to it, I referred to it, and I've slowed it down. I apologize to everyone. Continue, Andy. I mean, okay. Uh, let's see. Um, this is all on me. I apologize. This is from Tom Bondurant. Uh, A run of six straight new TNG episodes kicked off with Ship in a Bottle, the most important episode of any Star Trek series ever. There will be no arguments to the contrary. Secunda. Also on January 25th, freelancers Ron Wilderson and Jean-Louise Matthias turned in the final draft uh, script for Lessons. Oh, sure. 
where Picard falls in love a little bit. But then we pretend that he doesn't ever have Which such one is feelings. Which one does he fall? Which one is it? Is that the, that, that's the, not the. Uh, the astrometric scientist. That is commander. the astrometric scientist. Gotcha. Enjoy that one. Hello. Yeah. This is Jean-Luc Picard. Andy, I believe that you were talking about what's been happening elsewhere in Trek. Well, there's your elsewhere in Trek. Um, I don't remember. I don't have it in front of me. I screwed everything up. But uh, I will. What do you mean? Oh, here it is. What are you talking about? I just played it. I know it's from. Oh, <laughs> Kumo Ruditis on uh, from our from our Patreon. Thank you. Thought I played the wrong thing. Good job. But I didn't. I played the right thing. No, you played the right thing. I was I was uh, I was I was taking responsibility myself for not crediting Ruditis. Uh. I've slowed this down to a complete stop. <laughs> but we're in DS9, yeah. so it's supposed to be stopped. In this episode, a biological weapon causes the population of Deep Space Nine to have difficulty communicating. Hmm. Directed by Paul Lynch, story by Sally Caves and Iris Stephen Bear. Teleplay by Michael McGreevy <laughs> and Naren Shankar. Seems like you're quizzing me. Do you know? Do you know, Andy? <laughs> I don't. Do you know who the four credited writers are in this episode? I wonder how it, how would it play out? Just because they they kicked it around a lot, I wonder why there's it's always so many people credited. Everyone's too busy to write it themselves. Yeah. Look, save your energy. We'll have you out of there as soon as possible. I hope. You guys seem to really accept that. Try rerouting the power coupling. Well, I mean, the head of operations just told us that. I mean, I'm going to believe it. But he went from like a tan of of shouting and screaming right to, uh, oh, all right. I didn't realize that. Well, he's trying to get it, you know, through the glass. Here's a question, Matt. The guy pounding on the thing is like... You know. Do you think that counted as a featured extra or an under five? He's he's oh, he's sort of saying stuff, extra. but we don't hear him. Featured no. extra. That's really not fair. He's basically saying lines behind that glass. Mr. O'Brien. See if you can activate the interlock servos. Mr. O'Brien. Captain Jahil. Those people have been stuck in that airlock for over an hour. Now, if you can wait till we get that door opened, I'll be happy to listen to any problems you might have. But I've already been waiting two days for your people to readjust my ship's antimatter flow converter. But I'm afraid we've gotten a little behind in our maintenance schedule. I'm not interested in hearing excuses. I have a shipment of Tom Ensis shear waiting to be delivered to Largo 5, and I'll need to do better than Warp 1 to get there before it spoils. I'll try to get a repair crew to you by the end of the day. Now, that's the best I can do. Your best, Mr. O'Brien, hardly seems good enough. It's really snippy. Dexter... I, I love it. Fairness, if you have a shipment of something that's spoiling, yeah, and you've been waiting two days for the fucking station to do what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, I agree. And you know, squeaky wheel. I think 
this character of Captain whatever his name is gets my vote for behaving the most logically. Do you uh, do you think Captain Jahil? Here's a question: Is the same species as the uh, head of the station in the Voyager episode "Fair Tra- Trade" that we just watched on the Patreon? He's got that same no. kind of almost Neelixy kind of hair coming uh, out of hello, his chin. Delta Quadrant, come on, man! You know, oh, it's a really good point. I'm so so dumb. Oh God, I'm so sorry. I played the annoying noise that 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 Dax was complaining about. I asked for the star charts for the Argosian sector. Glycine sector comes up instead. That's when I can coax the system online. Uh-huh. Try it now. Really sat out of focus for a while on the stairs. <laughs> huh. That's more like it. Um, I don't know why the station has a navigational array right in the center of it when it theoretically just sits in orbit. <laughs> yeah, that was your question. To to know that I don't have an answer. That wasn't my question. I, I do. I do wonder what the what everything does, but I guess uh, over time I will find out. Um, there's. Uh, I love how uh, how many annoyed people there are. I think it's very interesting. That I didn't gravitate to the show based on my initial, you know, uh, reluctance to the sort of muted personalities at the beginning of TNG, which obviously gain shadings over time. Because this show is just filled with, like, Kira's pissed off, Odo's pissed off, um, and in this episode... Basically, they're your kind of people. They are. They're all annoyed about something. Everybody's actually everybody's they're your kind of people too, <laughs> and yet you're oh, not. Yeah. You don't seem to be everybody's on, frustrations on board. Are valid. Yeah, I just don't like the way they treat the chief. Like Cisco's correct to be annoyed that his coffee is gross. You look like well, then you do uh, re- uh, agree with how they're treating the chief. I agree with their problems being annoying to them. I don't agree with how they're treating Chief O'Brien. Very complex. If they had just then. fucking applied to get data off the Enterprise, everything would be going much quicker. You mean in having him be the engineer? Having him be the chief of operations on the station instead of just the head of ops on the Enterprise? Because data's so fast. I mean, it's true. But it for five minutes, you can apply that to any job in the galaxy. And doesn't need sleep. What? Uh-huh. Chief, I thought you were going to fix the replicators. I'd like to point out the uh, Avery Brooks' performance right there. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if the drink was disgusting, if the drink was too hot, if the drink was too cold. If it wasn't at all the drink he wanted, that reaction told me nothing about that drink. <laughs> well, they smell it later, so that would suggest it was a taste thing. Five minutes, but I agree with you. Let's take a look again. Chief, <laughs> that know. is a very that is a very hot. This is too hot performance. I will definitely agree with you on that. <laughs> yeah, but it's not that it was too hot. So I was like, well, no, it's not. Maybe it was also too hot? (laughs) And then he just quickly switched? (laughs) 
I mean, it's not uh, it's not it's not good specific acting. I mean, drink from a coffee cup. That's one on one stuff. The Andy school, Andy's kind of school specific acting. That's that's week one, guys. Oh boy. What happens in week two? Do you know? What happens in week two? Week two of Andy's like, is it in week two? Do you um? Do you <laughs> in week two of your specific school of acting? Do you finally address how to react or not react to a couple having argument in restaurant? I mean, that's that's a little bit of a higher level elective. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we got a lot of uh, we got a lot of uh, something big just happened. How big do I go in my reaction? You know, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, we got uh, eating in the background. Sure. We got amused, but not laughing out loud. A, That's its whole section. How about? Do you have? A, is there a? Is there a special annex class I could go to for annoyed person in line behind main character? I mean, would you like to be a guest speaker? I would love I would to have love you. To, in. I would love to illustrate. <laughs> the kids would love to see go. you. <laughs> it would. It would be. Truly, I also feel like you could really do a good job on uh, on our "What's with this guy?" Uh, elective. <laughs> That's a big part of it. Welcome to the Andrew Secunda School of Specific Acting. So majestic. <laughs> you may know Andy Secunda from such specific acting roles as. Reporter from the other guys moving. Volunteer for Dog's Care Man from the non-British office TV show. Or Ken from Curb Your Enthusiasm. With membership to ASA, you could also become a classic character actor, such as Bank Manager, Lexus Guy, Burglar Number 2, Curious Man on Train, Boss, Cue Car Guy, Priest. Now, Curious Man on Train, is he reading from your IMDb? Yeah, yes. Oh, okay. Because you know, I was you like, know what that was. Is so funny, so funny and specific. How, how did he come up with that? That really is. If you want to see, if you want to see the kind of specific acting I'm talking about, that's the. But uh, I must have told this story um, because it's the one moment when I was like, oh my gosh. Whereas I had a I had a long scene with Paul Rudd, and uh, we were improvising, and uh, it was like. I was it was just fucking going great and it was I think it was just actually this, good this, acting. This. It was exactly as he's snapping his fingers back and forth, back and forth. It's exactly that. And uh, it was like I am both acting and being hilarious and he is being a fucking movie star. This is I, I'm about to fucking this is it. You're, you're it's about to, about to happen. To <laughs> I am about to go to I'm about to become Jack McBrayer. I'm about to go from U C B to fucking stardom. And uh, and then he, uh, I think the, uh, the director was. This is just a theory, because I could sense a little mm-hmm. bit of tension. I think he was like, "Hey, I wrote this script. I don't want you to <laughs> improvise." And I was following Paul Rudd, and uh, and then it was that was it. It was not in the movie. The only thing that remains of me in that movie is just the one specific acting look on the train. And I was like, "God <laughs> darn it!" <laughs> That's what an actor's life is which, like, guys. Which uh, <laughs> what movie was it? Um, my idiot brother. 
Oh, sure, sure, sure. Well, the good news is nobody saw that, so. That's true. I was hoping that they would put something on the DVD, but it was buried forever. Yeah, that's so funny that your IMDb does read like that. That's very funny. <laughs> that's See, I've, that's some good drink acting. Now, what do you think about that? Is that is that him saying yeah, it's fine, or is him saying like, huh, pretty good? Yeah, that's oh, that's delicious. That's the best replicated cup of whatever I've ever had. No, it's very subtle. This is O'Brien. This thing we're talking about that you can't see <laughs> when he's after he's fixed the replicator. Now, seeing this, first of all, as soon as I saw the stuff going down, I thought, oh, this is a Cardassian plot. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's a that's really clever that they set something that would just uh screw the station and all of its, mm-hmm. you know all of its systems and then i thought oh specifically they're doing something to the replicator which also would be sort of an interesting plot um but i thought it would be better if it's just like they program basically ds9 from afar to you know slowly everything go wrong which is a great way to mm. kind of take the take the Honestly, fucking pillars out from a civilization this might be a spoiler for you uh uh-huh. but they just built the shitty station. <laughs> Cardassians just made a bad space station. And does that keep coming into play? That's oh, hilarious. Always breaking. I love it. Oh, man, I would have been more into it right off the bat if I knew that. I love the idea. And that is so also atypical to Trek. And you don't see it because it's all, you know, it's all Starfleet equipment. Mm-hmm for them to just be on a rickety constantly malfunctioning station i love it um but uh but i like the this the spin that it's like oh no it was actually bajorans trying to get at cardassians i like that sort of a nice different do you know what i'm discovering so far throughout ds9 in the four episodes we've watched what's that the bajorans are kind of responsible for everything that goes wrong <laughs> a little slow today slow it's been almost non-existent for the past three days hmm. who knows if things don't improve you may be forced to close down oh you'd like that wouldn't you well let's just say without you around my job would be considerably easier without me around you'd be forced to find some other poor innocent to persecute Think about that while you sit here gloating at my misfortune. Court! You call this Colleen Stew? Oh, this is a little a little too much. That's what it, and he's going to school specific accents about this guy. All right, Bo Zanga. <laughs> Do you think he sued uh, Big Bang Theory? <laughs> That's my name. I made it up. I already have it branded. Roll over there. I know <laughs> Chuck Lorre knows who I am. He's using my name as a catchphrase. <laughs> you know, I pitched to him that I'd be a guy who came in, a neighbor, who every time I came in, I'd say my name, and I go, Bozinga. <laughs> <laughs> These replicators 
I don't get them fixed soon, they'll destroy my business. Why not get O'Brien to fix them? He has the replicators on the command level working perfectly. I'm on his waiting list. He assures me he'll get to them as soon as he can. Mm. No telling when that will be. The chief's a very busy man. So Odo is just being a dick here, right? Odo should have just said Bozanga when he walked out. <laughs> In the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's just being a dick. Um, I like that Quark has all these isolinear Cardassian chips that get him into the system. I do like that. That is a very nice touch that he has the, that they're going that far with his, like, that he has the, he's already thinking three steps ahead. He knows how to, He's he's got all these, he's got the whole station wired, but his plan outside of this is pretty simple. Clearance like, oh, yeah. I have a plan. I'm just going to go to one of the working replicators. <laughs> I thought that was actually kind of very funny. In, in the sense of like, it illustrates Quark to essentially be harmless. Uh-huh. And to... Uh, like this is the kind of like it, I think there's like a separate show happening where Quark is the star. Yeah. And it's a and it's a and it's a situation comedy. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he's invited everybody over for a big party. But, right. you know, his stove isn't working, so he's right. got to go shenanigans across the hall. <laughs> like Well, that's no can, His in-laws can't find out. You know, it's interesting compare contrasting this with Voyager because even in what you're saying that is kind of what they're going for with Quark right except instead of making the character as broad as Neelix becomes what they do here is they take what we know about Frangies and make Quark at least thus far subtler than the the previous Frangies we've seen and more layered right Unfortunately, when they're like, hey, we're going to do a comedic character with Neelix, he's going to be huge and, you know, grating at every turn. Be acting up again. Send my regards to Mrs. O'Brien. Jake tells me she's a wonderful teacher. Oh, that's nice to hear, sir. That's right. She's never taught before, but she's wonderful. <laughs> she's a wonderful teacher. I hear that anyone could do it. She's flower units about the lad herself. Excuse me? Sir? What was that you just said? She's quite fond of the lad herself. I really thought, by the way, that flower units of the lad like, was going to be some Irish thing he was going <laughs> to... It is, it is the problem with the way he does it. Is It's just like, oh, it sounds so beautiful. What is that? James Joyce? <laughs> flower units... <laughs> And well, like, and also the way that Avery Brooks plays it, of like, well, what, what did you just say? Because like, <laughs> I want to know what that means. <laughs> I enjoy poetry now and then, O'Brien. <laughs> Very good, sir. Also, like flower units, isn't that something a botanist would have in their classroom? Oh, so maybe he was. Maybe there was nothing wrong with him at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. I kind of like Avery Brooks's look. Like, huh, interesting. Am I, did I just hear that or not? And then he decides to turn around. <laughs> now, I got to say, you talk about great specific acting. The guy who says lieutenant to Dax, he really nails it. It's just like he's got to communicate. He's setting off this whole scene 
when when she's talking about being a woman for, uh, for the first time in a while, and he's got to yeah, he's got to put a little bit of spin, but not be too intrusive, and then get go on his merry way. Good job, pal. It was loop group, and you know it. <laughs> How different what was? No, it takes a village. I haven't been one for over 80 years. All this attention. Imagine it must take some getting used to. Actually, I find it quite enjoyable. Major Kira. Lieutenant Dax. I'd be uh, honored to have you join my little party as my guests, of course. What's all this, Quark? You cheat your 1,000th customer? Who says Majorans don't have a sense of humor? Actually, uh... We're celebrating the repair of the VARS replicator system. Perhaps I could interest you in a nice double whipped Adanian spice pudding. Oh, what do you think? I think I'm due back at Ops, but uh, go on, enjoy yourself. Now, who likes pudding here? Is it Dax or Jedzia? Oh, interesting. I feel like that was an internal conflict of like, we got to go, but you love pudding. Oh, you're right. Now, should I be referring to this being as Dex or Jedzia or either? Well, my instinct is Dex. When you're referring to the Trill, uh-huh. specifically it's Dex. I mean, this is where I'm confused. because when you're referring to what. the host body, yeah. Jedzia. But I mean, even her. And what do you get? You get Jedzia Dax. But even her first statement of like, oh, it's so interesting being a woman. You know, I haven't been in the for a long time. It's like that feels like that's the symbiont speaking through Jedzia, and Jedzia has nothing to do with it because she's been a woman her whole adult life. Mm-hmm. 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 Confusing to me. Looks like you're the one who could use a little help. Oh, no, I'm, I'm fine, really. I suppose this isn't a good time to tell you that number three turbo lift has broken down again. Joking, Chief. <laughs> Not a good Major Clark's true pepper. What? Let birds go further loose, maybe. Do you think the writer's assistants were assigned coming up with the nonsense dialogue? There's four people on this. There's four people credited here. And I'm like, (laughs) also, I'm like, did they really, like, did they hammer the cast on, like, getting the words right? Yeah. Getting the nonsense words correct? Or did they just let them go? I mean, I I gotta say, I think they're really... I mean, as stupid as this sounds, they're really effectively written to sound like, and it also is a credit to the actors, they do sound like, oh, these are words that would make sense to them, but are just switched out. Like, And it's, you know, mm. that, those are specific choices in words. That's why his thing sounds like it could be You're a poem. Not making any sense. Round the turbulent quick. Specific acting by those two. Ankle, try sound. Reset gleaming. Dinner to bug. (laughs) Dinner to bug. Dinner to bug, come in, dinner. 
Wait, no, that'd be bug. Come in, bug. And stimulate visual His cortex. reactions. I'd say everyone's reactions are a little bit odd. I don't know. And if I don't you suddenly, feel like they're saying. If you suddenly couldn't understand anything anyone was saying and no one could understand you. That's how I feel all the time. Well, then you're right then. His reaction is very <laughs> odd. <laughs> Uh, I guess I feel like he's looking at her like she's turned into a horrible creature. Um, oh, I, I guess they're just playing it a little bit like, more. Oh my god, what am I doing? Why? Can't and everybody else is also shouting and everything. It's just yeah, sorry. What were you saying? I was saying that that's what would happen if you didn't understand. You'd have to shout. Dog flower fish. Mr. O'Brien's in Europe. Physiological history, please. Yes, Doctor. What is that? What's he written? I wish I knew. Strike limits, flame the dark true salt. Please, Chief, take a seat. Way link complete. Way link! He's doing a great job at it. What's wrong with him? He appears to be suffering from a form of aphasia. It's a perceptual dysfunction in which aural and visual stimuli are incorrectly processed by the brain. His actual thinking hasn't been affected, but he's incapable of expressing himself or understanding others. Victory strike limits frosted wake. Simple hesitation. <laughs> I'm not sure I follow you, Doctor. You say Mr. O'Brien is aphasic, but all of his tests have come up negative. Isn't aphasia typically associated with some kind of cranial trauma? Yes. Is it aphasia or aphasia? A stroke or a blow to the head. But there's no Jesus evidence Christ. for that yet. Did you check the medical library for any precedents? And rechecked. Nothing so far. You have any theories? Not yet. Find one. Major Kira, get a hold of the Chief's personal duty log. I want to know where he's been and what he's done for the past 52 hours. I've already examined it, Commander. He's been all over this station. Retrace his steps and see what you come up with. Dax, you will temporarily assume Mr. O'Brien's duties. Yes, uh, Is there a problem, Lieutenant? Lieutenant. I'm sorry, Benjamin. I'm unable to... foolish, assembled, regal, controlled weather. Oh my God, what if she could control the weather? See, now this <laughs> that's a great turn here. But see, that performance suggests like I can feel the words changing in my head, which doesn't seem to be the way that, that they're implying about it. Like she shouldn't well, know that anything's wrong until they don't understand her. No, because it's also how they're pro how they process. They don't hear their words. I thought they don't, that the brain they don't understand. Is, they don't understand what they, anyone is saying, and they cannot communicate. But they don't feel they understand what the words they're trying to say are. No, is they my don't. Understanding of how this. No. So, like, if I if I thought I said you know the fish is in the water, then you're saying I it would I would say it, and then it wouldn't come out sounding like the fish is in the water. It would come out like. Plant beam moon, and, you'd be like, and I would hear it like, "What? What does that mean?" Yes, 
See, I feel like that's not what they're saying. I feel no, like no, if I, it would sound like the fish is in the water. That, you wouldn't hear that what you're saying was wrong. Is wrong. That's what I'm saying. Is she's playing it as though she's thinking that what she's saying is wrong because what everyone is saying to her sounds what like I'm plant saying, fish water. But she does that in the middle of the line before anybody else says anything. That's why I'm saying it's a. It's but I think she had not heard. Look, what Terry Terry Farrell blew it. That's all I'm saying. She blew it. She should have been kicked off the show right there. Welcome to the Andrew Secunda School of Specific Acting. Even though Terry Farrell is one of our proudest graduates. Well, first so. first main cast member to go and graduate. We actually thought it was a huge loss that she uh, she moved away from uh, extra acting and background acting. But that's impossible because all shops and businesses have been closed until further notice. Except, of course, for essential station operations. For which this place hardly qualifies. I don't think they'd agree. This quarantine has everybody on edge, Constable. Would you deprive them of a little harmless diversion? They'd be safer in their quarters. Quark. This Colian stew. Magnificent. Uh, fortunately, my assistant Ron was able to fix the replicate. Thanks, Bozanga. <laughs> yes. What's Bozanga up to these days? <laughs> sure, sure. Cagney and Lacey, The Return. Work with Spielberg. Stan Helsing. Jesus. Bozanga's had quite a career. <laughs> Certainly better than old Andrew Secunda. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Bo lives in the historical cultural monument La Casa Sueno with his daughters Kit and Olivia, their dogs Butler Cece, and an Indonesian parrot named Yaya. <laughs> you know, Bo, you don't have to put everything in your IMDb. Very fortunate. I don't think he does. How would you how would you rate Odo's transforming into a drink cart. I mean, it's great. Great acting. It rattles around. It I think it should sound different. Computer. It seemed a little bit like a, a stretch that he would know that Quark was going to take the drink cart. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he would have. I guess he would have already known that that Quark was doing that and using the drink card and then hidden the drink Although, card and yeah, taking he its probably, place. He probably checked all the surveillance footage from the station. <laughs> right. Okay. With one Ferengi star duster, please. Extra strong. He's just selling drinks for free, basically. Uh, I thought the front wheels were sticking a bit. Oh, no. What do you mean for free? Well, I mean, when he has his own replicator, he's just like, here you go. This yeah. machine made a sandwich for me. Here you go. I'm selling it to you. Yeah. Hmm. You got a problem with that? 
I don't know. Seems you like got a problem selling. with future economy and replicators and whether or not they're equipable everywhere. You're selling, yeah. Authorized <laughs> access to crew quarters is a crime, Quark. Does anybody ever react to the sound effect of Yodo trans Yodo of Odo transforming? <laughs> Yodo. <laughs> Yodo. You only live one Odo. I believe it's you only die once. <laughs> I'm saying it's in our food. No, that's not possible. All the food on the station is replicated, and all the replicators use biofilters. They automatically screen out contaminants, including viruses. Major, I've analyzed samples from replicators all over the station. Food on the command level is contaminated. But all of us here have eaten from those replicators. How come we're not aphasic? This virus is highly adaptable. Its incubation period seems to vary within each individual. According to O'Brien's duty log? It appears kind of to fun, huh? go for most dramatic tension. Did uh, did the aspect of uh, this highly adaptable, highly contagious virus uh, that has a, an unpredictable incubation period, um, did the, any of that uh, hit you in any weird way, Matt? Honestly, Causes not fever? at all. No? Didn't, didn't strike think, Honestly, I didn't think about it. Only the quarantine, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that was pretty boring. <laughs> the last thing he did before becoming a phasic was fix it. I was like, yeah, that was pretty boring. I wish the casinos were open. <laughs> the command level replicators. Get a repair crew over there to inspect the site. Let's shut down those replicators. Maybe. We- uh, I'm surprised, by the way, that uh, she finds it as quickly as she does. Yeah. Right, I mean, not surprised. Well, that's what I want to I'm genuinely impressed. The Bajorans. Uh, yes, it is impressive. I- it also, I mean, you know, I mean, I guess it shows. Uh, DNA. Is it a mystical level of of uh, intuition that Cisco has? That he goes retrace his steps and figure it out, or is it like, oh, that's a good commander? Mm, that's a, it's a good commander. It's, I don't think there's any mystical abilities uh, yeah. present there. This virus has none of those features. All right, then who made it? Well, that's what I wanted to find out. So I referenced all known DNA construction techniques in the Federation records. And this protein series was the key. It indicates that... Doctor, who created this virus? The Bajorans, sir. I believe it must have been a terrorist plot to sabotage the Cardassians while they were here. Matt's been right all along about them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The energy decay of the power core indicates it dates back to the building of the station that's 18 years ago i suppose the bajoran underground could have smuggled it aboard during construction before i took over as head of security but why would the underground go to all the trouble of planting a booby trap and not set it off maybe they forgot no more likely they were captured or killed before they could release it we need to find out who created this virus you're our best hope Uh. 18 years is a long time. Besides, even if she finds who did this, that's no guarantee they can help us. We just have to hope they remember the antidote. That's assuming they ever bothered to create one. Oh, Bozanga. (laughs) Odo has chosen Uh the most bland, (laughs) earth-toned outfit to wear when he could be wearing anything. He well, doesn't tux the whole time. He could be, yes. We do see him in a tux later in the show. Uh, but I think that uh, <laughs> he's just in the stupid Bajoran uniforms. 
Doctor. Nobody else seems to be dressed like him. Are they? Or is that the security detail is? Oh. You all have to dress in these bland outfits that I'm wearing. Yeah, and Kira's in a Pajoran uniform, too. They have uh, divisions just like Starfleet. It's just more flattering than some people. what they are, but whatever. Can he be stabilized? He hasn't responded to neural stimulation. I've given him 30 cc's of chorophysine to avoid secondary infection, but so far I've been unable to lower his fever. What are his chances? Unless I find some way to counteract the virus. He'll be dead in 12 hours. Have you made any progress? No. I've tried base pair destabilizers, sequential disruption. Nothing seems to affect it. Sir, I've got seven other aphasic patients displaying the same symptoms as O'Brien here. And I'm afraid this is only the beginning. Keep searching, Doctor. I hope Major Cure finds who's ever responsible for creating this virus. I'd like to meet that person myself. This virus is a work of genius. I'll try to arrange it for you. I like that. That he's kind of he's kind of acting like the uh uh not Bishop. I forget what what the name of the 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 guy on uh in the first alien movie was. Um we sort of just obsessed in a morbid way with the alien. Hmm. I kind of like that. I like that aspect of a Bashir. That he's just a passionate fool. Uh, that he's he loves uh, viruses it's like, and ladies. He's <laughs> viruses and ladies. Killed Dr. while Bashir story. Certificate of death on file. No need to ask how you're doing. Chasing after ghosts. You have 12 hours to catch one. And then? People start dying. Computer. Display decon Alex certificate of death. Identify signature of witness. Certificate of death was witnessed by Sermak Wren, Bajoran medical assistant. That's Show smart. me biographical data on Sermak Wren. Dr. Sermak Wren, former member of the Haiga Metar sect of the Bajoran underground, repatriated to Bajor upon closing of the Velos 7 internment camp. Stardate 46302. Current status unknown. Whose voice this is? What? I wonder whose voice this is. Do you ever hear her again? Closing of the Velo 7 internment camp. Stardate 46302. Current status. I guess that unknown. would be a Cardassian computer? Yeah. Dictation. The truth is, I never learned the game. You mean you've sat here for all these years and you don't even know how to gamble? That's correct. No wonder you always look so bored. <laughs> the rules are quite simple, actually. I'd be happy to show them to you. Some other time, perhaps. Cisco needs me in ops. And since the entire security force has been stricken with aphasia, the promenade is in a very vulnerable position. How unfortunate. 
Does Odo ever Consider get it? it a warning, Quark. Because I'm holding you personally responsible if anything turns up missing. Is that understood? Perfectly. Hmm. You can't do ears either, oh Odo. He's got weird ears. I mean, these things happen, you know? If they're written to happen. This is sick pay mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. It's very elaborate. Analysis complete. Sample 37 and the ceilings are high. Viral protein sheet is unaffected. Nucleotide sequence remains intact. Computer, replay morning. Command unclear. Please repeat. <sighs> Glass lunch, judge, a bin to let it. Command unclear. Please repeat. Oh, boy. Oh, no. He's got it, too. It's a clever way of showing it. What's wrong? There's too much stress on the mooring clamps. They're the not messed up. His aft isolation plate buckled. His main power core has been ruptured. If the internal fuel cells collapse, the whole ship will explode. You take half the docking rig with it. Bozenga. Now, is it a problem that uh, it's? it doesn't seem like they really dip into the sort of moral quandary of this guy wants to leave if he leaves he could spread this somewhere else um it's more just the the crisis of what it's going to do to the docking ring if it explodes but that would have been a thought in my head we can't let him get out because then the viruses well that's the immediate danger right right is to the station yeah also, he wanted to let the clamps go and hit him with a tractor beam. Oh, does he say that? Yes. Catch that. This is Dr. Sermak. Hello again, doctor. Just checking to see you're in your office. I have nothing to say. I like this for exactly the reverse reason. She fucking traps him by giving him the virus. It's so fucking dark and badass. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like... like all right, well, uh, if you don't figure Batman. it out, we're going to die. <laughs> yeah. Batman has to find Joker's cure. Right. Because he's got Joker's blood. Yes, but this is like Batman infecting a scientist with Joker's blood and then saying, all right, well, you're going to help me figure it out. <laughs> well, it depends on who you think is the good guy here. Yeah. It, it feels like a batman move. Very great. See if you can switch to external pickups. Got it. These fire control systems don't appear to be working. We have about 15 minutes before the fuel cells collapse. I hope you feel better than you look. Must be that damn virus. This is Cisco. Any station personnel who can understand what I'm saying, come to ops immediately. We need help up here. We have to get that ship away from the station. Why don't we explode the mooring clamps? The blast should push the ship away from the docking ring. We'll have to get down there and blow it manually. 
I'll do it. All right. Why does an Odo just turn into two smaller Odos? <laughs> Can he do that? I don't Can know. He split into several things. <laughs> I, think he I assumed he had to. I assumed he had to stay solid. I mean, not solid. He had to stay one unit of Odo. <laughs> um, Seen I'm s- earlier. Yes. I'm sorry. I wanted to go back a, a step because uh, I forgot something about that Dabo scene. Quark was saying, ah, "It's something wrong. I haven't won a Dabo, a single Dabo spin." Mm-hmm. But the thing that's wrong with the station isn't that right, or is it? The thing, the the machine just gave this virus to the replicators. Yeah, no, that's Quark just testing out his gambling equipment. So it's sort of a weird side trip yes. with Cisco and Odo. Sort of to illustrate that Quark isn't really doesn't care about what's happening beyond gotcha. his own. And in that scene, or is it a later scene, is Odo basically asking is like he uh is he is he asking Quark to take over if Cisco like is he is he entreating help from him? In that in, scene. In, like is he asking for help Dabo of any scene? kind? Yes. Oh wait, sorry. I think I I'm misreading my notes. I apologize. Just move forward. You're talking about when Quark comes up to help? Oh, I know he does that. Oh, I see. Or are you just talking about when Odo's like, hey, Quark, I gotta go up to Ops, but if anything fucking happens here, it's your fault. No, yeah, that, that is just an accusation. Okay. Iris is spreading through the now. station. Wait, do you have either. the disease? Maybe. I think I've always had the disease. You helped create the virus, didn't you? No, I had practically nothing to do with it. Decon Ellig created the virus. I was merely his medical assistant. That seems like a lifetime ago now. I was only in the underground for six months before we were captured. I am not responsible for this. I am not looking to place blame. All I want is the antidote. I don't know of any antidote. If Decon created one, he never told me. Listen, Sir Mac. I have a station full of dying people, and you are the closest thing there is to an expert on this virus. I sympathize, Major, but I don't think I can help you. All right. Then how about helping yourself? Meaning what? Meaning... I've been infected with your virus, Doctor. So now you're infected, too. Bozanga! Yes? Near me. This is Odo. Cisco's infected. I could really use some help here in Ops. Do I detect a note of panic in your voice? Quark, am I to believe that you're volunteering to help? Who said anything about volunteering? We can haggle over price later. Now, um, how may I be of use? I need to get to docking port five now. That ship's going to explode in five minutes. I'll beam you over. You? Relax. I served on a Ferengi freighter for eight years. I must have witnessed the procedure hundreds of times. Witnessed? You mean to say you never handled the controls yourself? 
energizing. Was that? He sort of has the look of uh, of the uh, I don't know if it's the Munchkins from uh, from Wizard of Oz or uh, or the or the people from the Emerald City, but uh, he has he has sort of that kind of vibe on his outfit. Quark does. He's vibing, you know. I'm always vibing with Quark. I love his vibes. Bozanga. Landing pad seven. Request clearance to initiate docking procedure. Welcome back. I could use some help up here. Quark, what are you doing in ops? <laughs> First thing I need to see is your doctor's That's viral verification research. He was beginning to develop an antidote series. Let's take a look at that. Listen, doctor. Uh... I'll be an ops. If you need me, use this string impact. Lots show red intense. Oh no. Bozanga. Never gonna stop saying that. One minute. Just kidding, I'll forget immediately after we hit stop on this recording. <laughs> That's right, it's an adaptive synaptic inhibitor. Decon was brilliant, no doubt of that. I think we found your antidote, Major. It was really cool when they disengage the clamps and the, the ship goes flying backwards. That was cool. Pretty good. Really good effects overall. Jaheel playing a guy that uh, lives in denial that a virus can get to him, which is uh, completely unbelievable. Odo? Quarto Odo? You still with us? Try not to sound too disappointed. Now, about that little matter of my hazard pay. Why? <laughs> a little bit too much, my friend. Mr. It throughout the station. Things are slowly returning to normal. Good to have you back, Chief. Thank you, sir. Coffee black. Coffee black. Didn't put anything in it. O'Brien! I don't get the button. <laughs> I don't either. Is the idea again? The first of all, it's right is back it, to your original thing. Is it hot or is it? Yeah, does it taste yeah. good? I it? assume it doesn't taste What's good. What's going on? What's going on there, um, Chief? And it also seems sort of, <laughs> unless this is you know, look, it's early. Is this going to turn into O'Brien? Is that what it's? <laughs> is that what the show is going to be? <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's the show now. I mean, the guy has got clearly this. It's DS Nine is understaffed, which I kind of like as an element of the show, but it does raise questions of like they found the wormhole. Isn't this a Federation priority now? Why aren't they sending more people there to help? Hmm. Good question. The MVC. <laughs> Who will it be? 
What do we got, Andy? Um, it seems like Kira is the one that uh, is the most essential in saving everybody. Mm. She gets the doctor. Ironically, I thought it was going to be the doctor because the doctor's doing a really good job. And for all of our slamming him about being a creep, he you know he's all business in this episode. He's uh, you mean about being passionate and about knowing that <laughs> you ain't got little space enough. Fuck, come on, come on. <laughs> Uh, I think it is Kira because she finds the thing initially anyway yeah she does all the all the detective all the heavy lifting is done by Kira all the saving of the docking ring is done by Odo and Quark that's true now what would have happened if that had exploded he's saying taking a big taking half the docking ring with it so just half the station meaning half the yeah sure just half the station blows up so who cares is the docking ring is the circle of ds9 what is the circle of it yeah it's the ring on the outside right isn't it i think i'm asking you now asking me for you tell me (laughs) wait do you have a favor oh god oh god (laughs) (laughs) who's the docking ring what Um, simple hesitation Simple hesitation. That's my favorite thing that O'Brien says when he's not being understood. He says simple (laughs) hesitation. (laughs) Um, I'm still confused what was wrong with the replicators. I feel like they're saying, I feel like they got confused and said, oh, no, a lot of other things are wrong. But those were the things that were wrong initially that had nothing to do with the virus. And then at the end, it's sort of still wrong, but it's not clear what's wrong. Is this somehow you're awarding an MVC based on what the replicators were doing? Sorry, no, I just got I just got lost in the thing. Uh, I give it to Kira. <laughs> Simple hesitation. Flower unit, lad. <laughs> do you concur with Kira? Flower unit. Yeah. Of course I do. She really, she really did a lot of fun stuff, like beam people up, take a runabout, yeah. go spread the infection. She really did it all. Uh, here we go. How many Andy's does this episode get? Well, I had a good time with it. I enjoyed a lot of it. I liked, uh, I liked it. I liked the plot. I liked it. It was a mystery. I was like, oh, who actually, where did this come from? Oh, was it the Cardassians? Oh, no. That was the Bajorans. Track down the doctor. Figure out how to fix this thing. Uh, give it a six. Um, I enjoyed it, too. Uh, I'm really enjoying the tone of this show in a way that shocks me based on my prior resistance to the show. I like that it's kind of just like methodically going through plots in a logical way. I like how the characters are shaping up and their dynamics. Um, the uh, It's interesting that I kind of thought, oh, this is going to be about the, the, the station itself kind of breaking down, which is where they again land at the end. Um, but... Um, but then they go in this direction of like, no, it's about sort of, it's sort of a, the the, thematically it's something about communication, but it is interesting that they don't really, and I'm wondering if this is an increasing pattern with DS9, they don't really explore the theme very much. Like the plotting is more sound than most other Star Trek shows at the beginning of their runs. And yet thematically, it doesn't seem like they're going for much because an episode called Babel 
that's about people having trouble communicating. It feels like you really could have dug in and like had some, uh, you know, some initial um, uh, uh, cold open about, you know, diplomats and people trying to work something out and they can't, you know, quite get on the same page and something like that. They don't do any of that. Um, So it's maybe a little bit lacking in that department. Nonetheless... I enjoyed it. This was a long road to uh, get to a six also. I thought, I was like, about a minute ago, I was like, he's still talking about this. What's his What's his rating going to be? And he really got there eventually, but. What do you mean? This, say, that's what, that's the, the say, show is, is us talking about the show. Your thing was, hey, he's really talking about this show a lot. This Star like, Trek you know show. His, his summation is too detailed for my tastes. <laughs> I had a complex thought on it because well, I think I started higher. Is that's the reason I was sort of talking it through myself, and then I was like, "It feels like it lacks something," mm. and I think that's it. Even though I enjoyed it. Well, let's uh, watch a trailer for next week's episode, then, Andy. No. Okay, we don't have to. You've right. traveled almost ninety thousand light years. A wanted predator from the other side threatens the space station. Show me where the weapons are stored. Is he a dangerous criminal or a pawn in a brutal game? I live the greatest adventure one could ever desire. Now the crew finds themselves battling the unknown. He's running from something, that's for sure. The hunt is on. On the Whoa. next exciting episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. <laughs> he left like a, some kind of a lizard. That was cool. I can't wait to see that in context. Are those people through the from the wormhole? Is that what they said? Yeah, it looked like there was some breen. We'll see. Tune in next week, everybody, for all this fun stuff. And if you want more fun stuff, head over to Star Trek TNC's Patreon at patreon.com slash Star Trek TNC. Get some more episodes. Andy and I don't have jobs. This is our job. <laughs> Help us continue to do the show. (laughs) (laughs) Saying it so excitedly. We don't have jobs. Guys, we don't have a job. You know, Henry said to me, he was we have a digital picture frame in the dining room. And uh, a picture came up of me at work uh, on the at Goldberg's on the set of Goldberg's. Um, and he goes, (laughs) Where where was Dita? And I was like, What do you mean? He's like, in there in that picture. I was like, oh, I was at I was at work. Uh, it used to be my job. He's like, why do you know work anymore? And I was like, well, I don't really know, bud. He's like, do you work there when Henry zero or one? And I was like, well, when you were zero, one, and two, <laughs> why not work there when you three? And I was like, oh god, I really asking that. Asking the tough questions real early. <laughs> Help me tell my son that podcasting is my job by joining patreon.com slash Star Trek TNC. We'll see you at the president's circle, everyone. Our stretch goal is uh, is Matt having an explanation to his child <laughs> for what uh, my self My stretch goal is uh, the respect of my child. It ain't happening, <laughs> but that's my stretch goal. Thanks, everybody. With a page.
The docking clamps.